Many of you know by day I work as a hospice chaplain and I go to a lot of different places. Last week, I was making my way into one of the assisted living homes here in Carrollton. I walked in to the little, uh, well, they, you, you got to get buzzed in because of COVID concerns, but when I walked through the first door, there were three men sitting in some chairs in sort of a porch area, and they all said hello, and I said hello. Then when I walked through the next set of doors inside the lobby, there were about eight women sitting in a circle. And I looked at them and said, good morning, ladies. And they said, good morning. And they got real quiet and they just stared at me. And I'm thinking, why? Well, I don't know why they're looking at me, but okay. And they just kept staring. So I looked at them and I said, what are you ladies doing? And they said, nothing. And they got real quiet and I said, wait a minute. Are you the G? Well, I, I forget now how I said it, but I basically said, are you the gossip girls? And they looked and said, oh, no. And I said, well, you got real quiet when I walked in, and now you're just waiting for me to get. I said, y'all are gossiping, aren't you? And then the ringleader said, we might be telling a few stories. And it kind of went from there. Well, it so happened that the patient I was there to see was in the circle. And uh, when I realized that, I sat down, I said, may I join you ladies in your circle? And they said, yes. And then we started chit-chatting, and then we started singing songs, and the rest is history. So then when I left, I said, you may carry on the gossip now, I suppose. I say that to say we, we hear a lot of things about gossip and lying and cheating, and the idea is this, sin. We all break God's laws, don't we? Now, I did say this to them at one point. I said, you know what the Baptists call gossip, don't you? And they said, no, what? I said, it's called praying for you. And we've got to know the whole story so we can pray for you correctly. And they laughed, and so they're, they're in. So we had a nice time just chit-chatting, and then we prayed together, and we sang hymns together. For the past few weeks, three weeks, two weeks, three including this one, we've been talking about prayer because a lot of us, pray, but we don't always know how to pray or what to say in our prayers. And when we looked at the Lord's Prayer three weeks ago, we saw Jesus when he taught his disciples. He said, basically, start your prayer like this. Acknowledge God. Let God know you know who he is. Worship him, adore him, praise him, and tell him some of the, the things that he or who he is. He is the creator. He's the sustainer. He is full of grace and peace. And you could just go on and on and on about the greatness of God. And then last week, we talked about praying for the things we need. And the twist this past Sunday was not what many of us might expect. Well, I need money to pay the bills, or I'm praying for my health, or I'm praying for this specific thing in someone else's life. But rather, the focus was, God, I want your kingdom to come in my life, and I want you to help me accept your will. So help me grow in my faith. Help me, God, become the man or the woman that you truly want me to become. Now today, the focus is on verse number 4 of Luke's Gospel, number 11. I'm going to just read it right now, and this is how the Scripture reads. And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves also forgive everyone in debt to us. 
and do not bring us into temptation. Now, in Luke's narrative, in Luke's gospel, don't you just kind of love the way he wrote, or not wrote, but recorded all of these words in this one neat little verse? Forgive us our sins. So there's an acknowledgement in the very get-go that when we kneel in prayer in our private prayer rooms, that we're asking God to forgive us for our sins. Now, I know there are a few people who think they're not sinners. They don't really sin. We've met people, I've met people, you've met people who pretty much say, well, I'm a good person. But the reality is all of us, every single one of us, we've all got a sin or probably some sins that we commit in a given day. And so when you think about what Jesus is saying, acknowledge his greatness, pray for what God wants you to have, your needs, and then say, God, I am asking you to forgive me of the wrongs that I've committed against you and other people. And then he says, in the midst of that, and God, I am going to forgive others who've wronged me. We've all been wronged. If, if you are breathing right now, somebody has wronged you in some way. Someone has offended you. Someone has neglected you. If you're married, if you're a mom, if you're a child, if you're a dad or a child, if you're a brother or a sister, if you work, if you have any interaction with anybody, you, you've, somebody's wronged you, mistreated you, gossiped about you, whatever. The case is long. So we, we have to say, God, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins, and I want you to know I'm forgiving those who've wronged me. And then he says, and don't lead us into temptation. Keep me from temptation. So what does this really look like when we pray? See, we could just say that very simply. God, forgive me of all my sins. God wants us to get a little more specific than that. He wants us to name our sins, acknowledge them, fess it up. Have you ever, well, I remember as a kid, I've, I've been there, when my mom or dad asked me if I had done something and then they filled in that blank. You know, a kid will often say, I don't know, or no. Well, then who did? I don't know. I've been there as a kid. There was a moment in my life when I was caught red-handed, I mean red-handed, doing something I shouldn't have done. It was witnessed by my mom and my dad and my granny and my aunts and my uncles, the neighborhood kids. They all saw it. And when my dad asked me right after it, his question was, where'd you learn to talk like that? And my words were, I don't know. Well, I knew the answer to the question. I just didn't want him to know that I knew where that language came from. Well, discipline was administered right after that. And, and I learned at that point to try to clean my mouth up. So, so here's what I'm, I'm wanting us to understand. We all have things in our life we wish weren't there. Now, in Scripture, from the book of Genesis to the end of 
the, the last words in the book of Revelation. I'm just going to give you seven sins that are smattered all throughout Scripture. This is not always a fun topic. But these are kind of considered the big seven. And again, they're just all through Scripture. One of the big ones is something called pride. Pride. Now, that's kind of the I, and it's emphasized, I know what's right. I know what's best. I am the, the one. You think, you think, I don't mean you, but when you have pride, you elevate yourself to a place you shouldn't be. We all struggle with pride. Occasionally, I am told by people in my life these words, you think you know everything. I've been told that before. And on occasions, you know what I've said? I do know a lot about things. Now, I've, I've, I've resisted the urge to say, oh, I know everything, but I twist it and say I know a lot about things. That's pride. God, God doesn't like pride. Pride is sinful. Another one of the big seven is envy. Envy. That's when you look at another person and you want either their personality, their lifestyle, their possessions. You want something that you see in them to the extent it becomes a little obsessive. Envy. We, we struggle with envy. For years, um, I used to read other preachers' books and listen to their sermons. And somewhere in Ron and I's marriage, she told me, you just need to be you. Quit trying to be Charles Stanley, or and I'm not going to mention any of the other names, but that's just one many of us know. And I said, well, but he's a good preacher. She said, just be you. So I envied certain people through my life. So we, we have to confess our envy. Then there's wrath. You know what wrath is? It is extreme anger, often witnessed behind the wheel of an automobile. <clears throat> For many of us, when we get behind the wheel of, you know, of our car, truck, people just, they just push our buttons, don't they? There are those moments in life when you're going to your spot, your place, you didn't leave, you know, as soon as you may have wanted to have left. You're going 800 miles an hour, breaking the sound barrier, trying to get there, when grandpa pulls out in front of you and grandpa's driving 15 miles an hour in a 55 mile an hour speed zone does your temper not flare up have you ever honked your horn have you ever been tempted to get close and tailgate to said person flash your lights and your white and your knuckles become like really white because you're gripping the steering wheel so much and you're just angry, that's wrath. God says, no, 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 no. Don't be wrathful. Why do we have so many people in the news on a daily basis involved in road rage or other crimes? It's because of wrath. 
And so God says this is one. So if you're struggling with pride or envy or wrath, when you pray, you need to say, God, oh, I know you don't understand, God, but you just if you'd been there in that situation, you'd understand. And see, now you're starting to confess. But you have to see at some point, God, I was wrong with my attitude. I should not have said that. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't want that. I shouldn't think so highly of myself. Now, I, the next big, one of the big sevens, gluttony. Oh, I had to mention gluttony, didn't I? Gluttony is, is you, me, wanting something, and we just become obsessed with it. We often think of gluttony, and we associate it with what? It starts with the letter F, food. We think of food, don't we? Well, you can be a glutton in other things. Gluttony can come in so many different forms. For some of them, I'm going to say, we can be obsessed with our phones, or our tablets, or our computers, or social media. See, when you are putting so much attention into something that it consumes you, that's gluttonous. We need to confess that. Another one of the big seven is lust. We are living in a culture where sexual sin is just unbridled. I mean, it's just off the chart. And throughout Scripture, God wants us and asks us, challenges us to control our sexual temptations. And so we have to confess that. Another one of the big seven, there's a, a creature named after this word, sloth. S-L-O-T-H. You know a sloth, what they're known for? Moving real slow. But slothfulness in Scripture, it talks about laziness. It talks about inaction. It's about, I, I, I'm going to do this, but you never do it. See, God wants us to grow in our faith. God wants us to be involved in his kingdom's work. God wants us to work hard to provide the things that he wants us to enjoy in our life. So slothfulness is not just, I don't want to work, but it's, I don't want to work or do anything. I just want to sit and be fed bonbons while somebody fans me and just makes me enjoy life. Well, that's slothfulness. And then the last of the the big seven is greed. It, it's similar to envy. But when we want to hoard and hoard and then draw a line around our possessions, whatever our possessions may be, and say, this is mine. You can't have it, and I'm not going to share it. That's greed. See, all of these seven things, all of us, struggle with at least one of them. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be honest with you. I struggle with all seven of them. At some point or time, all seven of these have reared its ugly head into my life. And so, if truth be known, we, 
we all probably struggle in more than one of these areas. And God says this is sin. All of these things are sin. And so we have to say, God, forgive me of, and then you say what it is. Sometimes we make light of our sin, don't we? I was just kidding. I didn't really mean that. Can't you take a joke? See, here's what we fail to see. What Jesus is saying is, when we are declaring the greatness of God, and then when we're saying, God, provide me my needs based on your will. May your kingdom be done in my life as you've planned it in heaven. Now, God, I've got some stuff in my life that shouldn't be there. I want you to know I'm aware of it. You've convicted me of it. I don't want this in my life. And I'm asking you, God, to forgive me of it. And I'm asking you to cleanse me, wash me as white as snow. But God, I don't want to keep doing these things. I don't want to keep saying these things. I don't want to keep honking my horn in traffic. I don't want to keep envying what my neighbor has. I don't want to, and just keep filling in those blanks and keep talking. For some of us, this part of our prayer life may be long. That's okay. If you, if you say only these words, God, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins, and then you move on, you're not really dealing with the sin. You, you've got to just fess it up. Be clean. Come clean. Be honest. Get real. Spend some time there. Because one of the biggest, and the reason I mentioned pride first, for many of us, the reason we don't want to talk about our sin is because of pride. Because for many of us, we say, I've got my life. I'm in charge. I'm in control. I've got it. But God says, no, you need, you need to confess. You need to say it out loud. You need to lay it down. Now, Jesus said to, to and I don't jump to the last part of this verse before I move on, but he said, deliver us not into temptation. Don't bring us into temptation. God, protect me from my temptations. For many of us, we're not really prepared for spiritual battle. Have you ever noticed that temptation comes when you least expect it? I mean, you just, it's just like everything's going on just fine, and then all of a sudden, boom, right there it is. I mean, that's the way it is in my life many times. We have to constantly prepare ourselves for battle. The devil, our adversary, he knows you very, very well. He knows your buttons. Those of us who are married, have you ever said this before? Well, my husband just knows the button to push. Husbands, have you ever said, my wife sure knows how to push my buttons? Have you ever as a parent said, oh, my kids can really get under my nerves sometimes. They just know how to do it. I mean, we could see Satan knows you and he knows your weakness. He knows the buttons to push to get you to scratch your head 
and get off focus of what God wants you to do, of who God wants you to become. So God knows, I mean, the devil knows this, and so we've got to prepare ourselves for battle when we wake up and then throughout the day. Ron and I have a son-in-law who's a police officer, and he's talked about his job before. If you've heard anything about police officers, you can never let your guard down. In fact, for many of us, even from what was in the news, if we go get gas, you've got to keep your guard up because you never know what danger lies out there. And so we need to be prepared for spiritual battle every moment of our day. And when we let our guards down, that's when those attacks come. In the book of Ephesians chapter 6, Paul wrote to the Ephesian church, and these words are saved for us today, for us to put on the armor of God. I'm not going to go through this whole list just for the sake of time, but just know this. One of the things that is in just throughout that entire section of, of Scripture in Ephesians 6 is this. You need to basically say, God, I'm in battle. I want you to help me in my brain to know this truth. I need to intellectually know Scripture. I need to know what you want of me and what you expect of me, what I should do, what I should not do. Help me, God, know Scripture so that I make wise choices. That is so important. And yet so few of us read Scripture. I mean, really read it and put it in our mind, our brain, our computer that guides us throughout the day. And then if we don't move it from our brain into our heart and say, God, help me protect my emotions. When we are tired, we're at a greater risk of doing stupid stuff. When, you know, tired. When you've had a long day and you're at your wit's end, even though you may know certain scripture, that old heart just gets weak. And then all of a sudden, you say something you wished you had never said. It's too late. See, we, we have to constantly be on guard and be aware of what's going on around us so that what we have up here gets into our heart. We're protecting ourselves. We have to stand on our feet because when we are swept off of our feet, just like a soldier in battle, that soldier is a greater risk of losing his life as opposed to when he's standing on his feet. So Paul writes to the Ephesian church and he says, basically, you need to know the truth and you need to say, God, help me do what's right today in this moment, in this situation. We need to learn to pause before we say something or react. Pause, step back and go, God, I am really thinking about saying this or doing this right now. Is this what you want me to say or do? And then you, you just listen to God's Spirit talk to you. And you've got to discern, is this the Spirit of God or is this the devil whispering, saying, just do it, just do it, it'll be okay. God will guide you. We've got to learn what is right. 
And we've got to ask ourselves this question, what will lead to peace? What is the most peaceful thing to do? And God, right now my faith is a little weak because, oh, this day is going the way I thought it would go. Help me, God, to put my trust in you. Help me to know that this is going to work out. And God, remind me that I am your child. You have forgiven me. You have saved me. And as you are a soldier fighting these spiritual battles in your life day in and day out throughout the day, your sword is God's word. The devil really doesn't want you to use Scripture. The devil wants you to keep Scripture way in the back part of your brain. The devil knows Scripture as well and will even use it against us when we're going through a little spiritual battle. He'll twist it and manipulate it to make it sound like it's different than what you remembered it and memorized it to be because you really need to know what Scripture says. See, because that's the way he does it. He twists it. He did it with Jesus when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. And so we have to know Scripture and then say, this is truth. This is truth. This is what God wants. The reality is, as we walk this life, we're going to fail. We're going we're to break one of God's laws. I have a confession to make. I might have gossiped once or twice in my life. Do you see how I said that? I might have gossiped. That's the way a lot of us look at our sin. Well, God, I might have gossiped. God, I might have told a lie there. Well, it was a white lie, but a white lie is not really a lie. A lie is a lie lie, but this was not a lie lie. This was a white lie. I didn't want to hurt somebody's feelings. Oh, God, I don't really envy what that person's got. I just think it would be really nice if it was in my life. I mean, it would probably help me be a better Christian if I had that boat. Because, God, if I had that boat, I could nickname it, I don't know, Praying Betty or something. And, I, I mean, I could call it Witnessing Boat. I could, I could call it Fishing Men Boat. And, and I could take people who don't know Jesus out on the boat, and we could fish, and I could tell them about Jesus. And, God, you see how the, I need that boat? See, I'm, I'm, I'm wanting all of us to see how easy it is for us to struggle with pride and envy and wrath and gluttony and lust and slothfulness and greed. It's so easy, or, easy for us to fall into these little traps. And so Jesus, in his great wisdom, said, when you pray and you've said, God, you're amazing, you're awesome, I declare your greatness, I'm asking you to provide my daily needs now, God, I've, I've blown it. This, this is some stuff I've thought, and these are some things that I've said, and these are some things that I've done. God, I have been a little prideful lately, and I don't like that in me. I want you, and I'm asking you, God, to remove this from my life and help me, God, please help me honor you. Help me crave the things that you want. Keep me on that straight and narrow. Now, God, before I move on in this prayer, i, I got to talk to you about something. 
and you name somebody, I'm not going to name any names because there are no names here that I would know, but let's, let me just create a name, Bob. We have no Bobs here, do we? I, don't, I know a Bob, but this Bob is, and we're good. But let's just say Bob offended me, and it hurt my feelings. And, and, and I'm like, I don't like Bob right now, God, because he hurt my feelings. Bob didn't stand up for me the other day. And, and God, I just want you to know that I don't like Bob right now. Or maybe you're, you're in traffic and you're going somewhere and Grandpa Jones pulled right out in front of you and he's going slow and now you're late to wherever you were heading and you're in your prayer later and you're saying, I don't know who that old man was, God, but I do not like him. He caused me to be late. And God says, well, you need to forgive Grandpa Jones. No, I don't want to forgive Grandpa Jones. I want Grandpa Jones to get what's coming to him. I want, his, I want his license taken away. See, we, we could, I could just name story after story. And here's what we all need to say. God, I need to forgive these people. Even if you don't know them. Because there are people that come into our lives that rob us, cheat us. And there are people that do some horrible things. One story in my mind that, that Rhonda and I knew years ago, I mean, we, she talked about how she had been molested by her father. That is, that is a horrible thing that she went through. Not once, but multiple times. And she talked about the struggles she had to forgive her father for what he had done to her. And some may even say, you don't have to forgive that. That was horrible. And yet Jesus said in this prayer, we forgive everyone who owes us something. Everyone. In fact, in Matthew's Gospel of the Lord's Prayer, after Jesus talked about this, he said, if you don't forgive others as you have been forgiven, Jesus said, I will not forgive you. See, we have to forgive. If you've been born again, if the Spirit of God has washed away your sins and cleansed you and created within you a new birth, you have no choice but to forgive. It is in your DNA. You will forgive. But you have to decide, I choose to forgive this person for what they did. Whether it was something little or really big, you have to forgive. So very quickly, it's a decision. You'd say, God, I choose to forgive. And say it out loud. I forgive Grandpa Jones. And mean it. Small things, it's easier to forgive. Big things, it's a little more challenging. It may take you multiple times saying, God, I forgive this person for what he or she took from me. There's a classic country singer. He's, he's with Jesus now, Johnny Cash. Y'all, some of you have heard of Johnny Cash, I believe. Johnny Cash sang a song years ago. The 
original version, this was before he became a follower of Jesus, was called A Boy Named Sue. Some of you have heard this song before. A Boy Named Sue. In the story, this is how it goes. Johnny's, well, it wasn't really his daddy, but basically, dad was a drunk, worthless sort of fellow, became the father of the boy. When mama said, what are we going to call the boy? He said, call him Sue. Now, I can't imagine growing up and people calling me Sue. It made him tough. But it, in the song, in the story, he basically said, I hated this man, and I'm going to roam the country, and I'm going to kill him. He finally found this man. They got into a brawl, and the man finally said, well, I gave you that name because I knew I was a worthless, no good for nothing sort of fella, and I needed you to be tough because this world's hard, and well, look at you. You're a tough boy. Son, I love you. Now, if you're going to kill me, go ahead and get it over with. That was the song. But the song ended like this. He said, I embraced my dad. We hugged. And now my dear old dad's in heaven and so forth and so on. Good little country song. No matter what somebody did to you, you have to forgive them. That's what Jesus said. You have to cancel that debt and ask God in your prayer, God, help me forgive this person of what they took from me. It's not easy, is it? But you got to do it. So Jesus in this prayer, God, forgive us our sins. Don't lead us into temptation. Deliver us from it. And God, help me forgive others as I have been forgiven.